Hey, what's up, everybody? Todd File here from Double FM Sports, and I am so excited to be back for another episode of Todd Town. Last time we talked about Icky Woods and how successful he might have been if he had played a, a normal NFL career. Uh, this time we're going to move into the NBA, um, except not the actual NBA. Well, a little bit of the actual NBA. You'll see what I mean in a second. Because right now, I want to talk a little bit about Space Jam. Now, for the uninitiated, Space Jam was a 1996 film released by Warner Brothers starring Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes characters. Essentially, what happened was this uh, amusement park operator was uh, he was not bringing in as much revenue as he wanted to. He needed a new attraction, so he sent out his five minions, the Nerdlucks, who are these little short, shrimpy guys, um, to go and kidnap the Looney Tunes. Well, they confront the Looney Tunes um, and try to kidnap them. And the Looney Tunes, they're not having it because really they don't want to go be sideshow attractions at the amusement park Moron Mountain. No, they want to keep living their lives as usual. Understandable. So they challenge these little nerd lucks to a game of basketball. And the nerd looks agree, but they, they don't know what basketball is. So they watch this film somehow about basketball and they devise a strategy. And that strategy is to steal the talent from five NBA players. And I'll get to who those players are in a second. Um, and then harness that power in order to beat the Looney Tunes at basketball. So, they sneak into NBA games um, and they steal the talent of 76ers center Sean Bradley, who was 7'6". That will be important in a little bit. Patrick Ewing, the Hall of Fame center for the Knicks. Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues, um, who both played for the Charlotte Hornets. Larry Johnson was a forward and Bogues was a point guard. And Hall of Fame forward Charles Barkley, who played for the Suns at the time. So after stealing all of that talent, the Nerdlucks transform into these like 20 feet tall, muscular, I don't even know what you would call them, um, aliens, I guess, who are fueled by the talent of these five NBA players. And they call themselves the Monstars, um, which I think is funny because Muggsy Bokes was 5'3", and by harnessing his power, they became... 20 feet tall that just anyway so the looney tunes are now greatly outmatched and they decide that they need some serious backup so they go to michael jordan who at the time was playing baseball not basketball um now yes i know all of you people who have seen the last dance are going to be screaming at me now michael jordan was playing in the nba again in 1996 well this was actually set in the period between 1992 and 1996, where Michael Jordan was not playing basketball, but baseball. Um, so Space Jam doesn't exactly give us an exact year, but I went with 1993 to 1994. That was the first year Sean Bradley was even in the league. Um, and it, it fits within the time period. Um, that is also going to be important. So then I had this thought. We know what the Monstars are like. 
but what would this team have been like if it was literally just Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Charles Barkley, and Muggsy Bogues playing in the NBA as one single unit without all of the juiced up 20 foot tall guy thing? So that's what I decided to do. I made a five on five team with Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Charles Barkley, and Muggsy Bogues. Um, and there are a couple of challenges with this. I mean, if you even just look at the lineup, this is a huge lineup. I mean, Sean Bradley was 7'6". Patrick Ewing was also a center. Larry Johnson and Charles Barkley both primarily played power forward, but both could play small forward. And then you have Muggsy Bogues, the shortest guy to ever play in the NBA. That's the one outlier. But if you try to craft these guys into a traditional lineup, I mean, how do you even do that? Bradley would have to be center. Muggsy would have to be point guard. I would assume you'd put Ewing at power forward. And then Larry Johnson and Charles Barkley. It's kind of a toss-up at who you want at three and two. I would put Barkley at the two and put Johnson at the three just because Larry Johnson played power forward more than he did small forward and Barkley played small forward well more than Larry Johnson so and I know that seems counterintuitive you'd think okay well Barkley was more used to playing small forward so put him at at small forward but then that means you have to put Larry Johnson who's used to playing the four at the two and I don't want to do that and I figure Barkley has more experience playing the three it should be an easier move down, but that's beside the point. I mean, this would just be a crazy lineup. It would be insane to beat these guys in the paint, but I'm not sure how well they would do on the perimeter. Um, anyway, so I went through these guys, 1993 to 1994 stats. I broke it up into, you know, the major statistical categories. We have two point jump shots, three point jump shots, um, assists, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, steals, blocks, and free throws, which, I mean, that pretty much encompasses everything. Those are your your building blocks uh, for NBA statistics. However, some of these, some of these shots, or not shots, excuse me, some of these statistical categories, they're going to change. I mean, a lot of these are going to change because of just being not with the natural team. Um, You know, Sean Bradley in 1993 took about 10 two-point shots a game with the 76ers. But the 76ers took 71.7 two-point shots a game. However, the Hornets took 75.4. So it's going to be different playing in a different system is what I'm saying. Um, So what I had to do is I had to see how these guys would play with each other. And what I did uh, essentially is I took, I I formed a ratio between, we'll we'll take Sean Bradley, for example, I formed a ratio between his 10 two point shots a game and the 76ers 71.7 jump shots a game, two point jump shots. That gives me a ratio. Then that ratio I can take and I add it to the ratios of all the other guys. 
and I take that ratio and divide it out of the total to give me an adjusted value of how many, what percentage of this team's jump shots Sean Bradley would be taking. Then I just multiplied that by the league average 78.5 jump shots per game. Actually, that wasn't even the league average. Um, That's higher than the league average because this team, as you'll see in a bit, they do not shoot the three ball well. And it just wouldn't make sense logically for this team to keep throwing up bricks when they're so dominant in the paint. So I adjusted a little bit, but I went with 78.5. So then you just multiply the percentage by 78.5, and that gives you how many two-point attempts that Sean Bradley is making. And I did that for the other four guys. However, I couldn't just use the 10 because Sean Bradley only played 28.3 minutes a game. He's playing a full 48 now. So I have to adjust it because if I adjust it at the end, then it throws off the amount of total team jump shots. So instead of 78.5, you'll probably have like 104.5 two-point jump shots a game, which does not make sense. So I had to adjust it beforehand. So by adjusting for the minutes, Sean Bradley went from 10 to just under 17 two-point attempts per game, which then meant I had to adjust the 76ers total because if Bradley is putting in seven more a game, then now the Sixers aren't putting up 71.7. They're putting up 78.7. So I had to adjust that too, but the process stayed the same. So at the end of the day, once all of that was worked out, Sean Bradley is putting up about 15 two point shots a game. He's not necessarily making 15, Uh, Actually, I can assure you he's not making 15, but he is taking 15. Ewing is taking 21 and a half on average. Larry Johnson is taking about 15. Barkley's taking about 16. Muggsy is taking about 11. So then I did the same thing for three-point attempts. I did the same thing for assists, and I did the same thing for free throws. And so... For three-point attempts, Bradley is taking 0.23 three-point attempts a game. Ewing is taking 0.36 three-point shots a game. Larry Johnson is taking 0.76 three-point shots a game. Charles Barkley is taking 4.18. And Muggsy is taking 0.37. So this is not a strong three-point team by any measure. Um, I mean, looking at three point percentage, the highest guy is Patrick Ewing with 0.286% on his threes. Or sorry, not 0.286, uh, 28.6, which is not great for any, for any of you that follow the NBA, you will know That a 28.6 free throw, or not free throw, three-point percentage is like terrible. And you would expect it of four guys that predominantly play the five and the four and Muggsy Bogues, who was 5'3". Anyway, so assists, 
Sean Bradley um, has about three assists a game. Ewing has about two and a half. Johnson has about four. Barkley has about four and three quarters. And Bogues, he's running the show here. He has about 10 assists a game, which makes sense. He's the point guard. He's not doing a whole lot of shooting. He is the court general. He is the guy making sure the ball gets to where it needs to go to. Free throws. Um, Ewing and Barkley are the two big guys for free throws. Um, They're both, while Barkley is earning about seven, Ewing is earning about eight free throws a game. Bradley and uh, Johnson are about four and a half-ish, and Bogues is only getting 2.3 free throws a game. So then that leaves us with both forms of rebounds, steals, and blocks. And with this, I decided to go with uh, a stat-per-minute approach. So this was easy to calculate. Basically, I had the stats on their average minutes per game. I had the stats on, you know, whether it be rebounds or steals or blocks per game. So then what I did is, for example, we'll take Sean Bradley again. Average two offensive rebounds a game. And that was in 28.3 minutes. So really, he was averaging two offensive rebounds per 28. 8.3 minutes. You divide two by 28.3, you get 0.07 about 0.07 rebounds per minute. Then I can take that and multiply it by 48, and that gives me now 3.392 offensive rebounds per game. It adjusts for the minutes. Uh, same thing with. Ewing, Larry Johnson, Barkley, Muggsy Bogues. And so I did that for rebounds, both rebounds, steals, and blocks. And what you get is a team that is insane on the boards. If you look at if you look at the average across the NBA for total rebounds, it's like I think 43, yeah, 43.0 is the league average. The Nets lead the league with 47 total rebounds a game. This team would have 57.621 per game. They literally were averaging 41 defensive rebounds a game, which is ridiculous. The average for defensive rebounds was 29.1. These guys added another 12 defensive rebounds out of nowhere. And then offensive rebounds, 16.275. The league average was 13.9. This is ridiculous. And I mean, it makes sense when you have, what, two seven-footers? I mean, Bradley was, yeah, he was 7'6". Patrick Ewing was seven foot. Then you add in two power forwards. I mean, the only guy bringing this team down height-wise is Muggsy Bogues. So then you look at um, two-point percentage. Not the greatest two-point percentage. I mean, it, it, it's okay. Um, I mean, Bradley, point or er, uh, 41.2%. Um, Ewing was 498 
Johnson was 52.4%. The Chuckster was 54.1%. And um, Muggsy Bogues was 47.6%. So the average here was 49.2% two-point shooter. Okay, not terrible, not a spectacular, but not bad. Three-point is where it gets terrible. Bradley has a 0% three-point shot. Like, literally, I think in his rookie year, Sean Bradley took, like, I think it was, yeah, 0.1 point shots a game, and he didn't make any of them. So he literally had a 0% three-point shot, which is understandable. I mean, the guy was 7-6. Anyway, Ewing, 28.6%, and he's the leader on this team in three-point percentage. Um, Larry Johnson was 23.8. Barkley was 27 even. And uh, Muggsy Bogues was 16.7 on his threes, which is ridiculous. Free throw gets a little bit better. Um, Bradley was 60.7, which not spectacular, but granted, the guy is 7.6. Ewing was 76.5. Larry Johnson was 69.5. Charles Barkley was 70.4. And Muggsy Bogues was an 80.6% free throw shooter. And we're talking about a guy who once, I believe was 100% on his free throw shots. Yeah, in um, 1995 to 1996, he made every single one of his free throws. So he was by far the most polished free throw shooter on this team. Rebounds, we've already talked about. Um, Assists, we've already talked about. Steals, here's where it gets interesting. So you'd expect that the tall guys would have trouble with stealing, right? Well, actually, the guy that had the most trouble was Larry Johnson. He only averaged 0.84 steals a game. Your leader is Muggsy, which makes sense. He's a point guard. He's going to be your perimeter defender. Um, He had 2.286. Barkley was next with 2.17. Um, then it was actually Bradley with 1.5 ish and, um, then Ewing with 1.4. So this isn't a terrible steel team. Um, I mean, they were under the league average. The league average was around, I believe eight and a half. They had about eight and a quarter a game. Not bad. Blocks though is where this team is legendary. So Muggsy Bogues, he's not blocking anybody. He's five, three, but You have Patrick Ewing and Sean Bradley, who once led the league in blocks. Sean Bradley is putting up an insane five blocks a game. Then Ewing is putting three and a half. And then you have Johnson, who's putting up 0.4, and Barkley, who's putting up 0.8. But you have a team that's averaging... Nine, almost 10 blocks a game, which is unheard of. I mean, what was the, what was the average? It was like, the average was 5.2. They doubled that. 
I mean, yeah, the Nuggets had 8.4. 8.4, that's cute. These guys put up 9.7. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Dikembe Mutombo played for that Nuggets team. Literally one of the most infamous blockers in the entire NBA. And he would have gotten shown up by Sean Bradley and Patrick Ewing. So then you look at points, because that's really what matters. That's what wins games. So your low scorer is Muggsy Bogues, which makes sense. He's not one for shooting. He's really just passing the ball around. Um, and he's not drawing many free throws. So he only puts up 12, 13 points a game, which is still respectable. Um, then Sean Bradley puts up you know, 15. Again, respectable. Larry Johnson puts up uh, 19-20-ish, which is is pretty good. Um, Barkley putting up 25-26, and Ewing putting up 27-28. So this is a potent team, but that's all you're getting. So you're only getting about 100-101 points a game, which that was league average. It was like 101 points four or something like that. It was in the 101s. So then it begs the question of, could this team have really won in the NBA? And again, this is assuming that these guys perform like this 82 games out of the year, playing all 48 minutes that they blend well, you know, they have a good locker room presence. Um, And let me put it this way. It would be insane to try and predict the outcomes if these guys played a full schedule. But I can say this on the general level. Really what the games would come down to with this team is could they hold opposing teams under 100 points? That's really what it comes down to. Because as we've explored, this is kind of a mediocre scoring team. I mean... They're terrible three-point shooters. They're not great two-point shooters. I mean, really their strengths come in their height. So blocks are going to be crucial. Rebounding is going to be crucial. I see this as a team who tries to control the clock and makes the clutch shots when they need to just to stay ahead. But these, this isn't going to be the flashy fly-slamma-jamma teams from Houston. Or th- this isn't going to be like MJ and the and the Bulls. It's not going to be like Shaq and Kobe with the Lakers. No, this this almost reminds me a little bit of that UVA team that lost to UMBC in like 2016, who they played at their pace and they won because they controlled the game. That's what this team does, and that's how they would have to win games. They're not flashy at all. Defense is their strong suit. This is a tough, grinded out, schlobber knocker kind of team. And so that's what they would have to do in order to win games. Now, whether they'd be able to compete with guys like, you know, Michael Jordan and his Bulls, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, as we see in Space Jam, but also just in the NBA. Michael Jordan is an absolute freak. Like, and I mean that as a compliment. Like, there's a reason why he's the greatest basketball player of all time. 
Um, so I don't know if they'd be able to compete with that. I, I really don't, but I can say, I cannot say what I do not know, but I can say that this team would most certainly be dominant around the rim. You would need like five shacks in order to effectively rule the rim against these guys. And you could absolutely school them on the perimeter. So it's a toss up for me. But anyway, that's how I would break down this Nerd Lux Monstars team if they were an actual NBA franchise. Um, not sure if they'd win any championships or really if they'd win any games, but they'd be fascinating to watch. Um, so yeah, with that, that's all I have. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I most certainly did. Uh, I will be back sometime soon with, uh, something about hockey legend Wayne Gretzky. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, until next time I'm Todd file and this has been Todd town.